Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today. Good morning, Hillside. Welcome to you all as you're coming into the house of the Lord this morning. I'd like to encourage you from the Word of God, from the Scriptures. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18. Three things. Rejoice always. Pray continually. And in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So we'd like to kind of focus on prayer for just a few moments, and we're going to sing about it as well. Because, you know, there was a time when the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And in Matthew 6, of course, we have the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to sing that shortly. But let's just uh, join our hearts together in prayer, and maybe you have brought needs, concerns in today with you. Well, the good news is Jesus said the Word of God says, cast your cares upon Him, because God cares for you. We want to pray for uh, Dean's uh, son-in-law, Mike, who was in a motorcycle accident. Heavenly Father, we just lift him up to you, that you would bring him the care that he needs, Lord. And we are lifting him up to you now, Lord. We thank you for your care for each of us. And as it says, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. Lord, we know that Israel has come under attack again, unprecedented attack. They will be, uh, there will be a counterattack. They have said that they are at war. Jesus said you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. But Lord, we trust in you that everything is in your hand. But we pray for your people, as it says in Psalm 122.6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Lord, we pray for them that you would protect them for your people. And God, we want to lift up our praise to you today, our voices, our prayers to you today. And we thank you for our missionary Kirk Brown with us today with their ministry to foster care, ministering to the needs in foster care and those providing it and those receiving it. Bless them as... uh, Kirk comes to speak today as well. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. We'd like to sing a new song with you today, and it is a song based on the Lord's Prayer. Father, let your kingdom come, amen. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done on earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done on earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us. 
forgive us as we forgive the ones who sinned against us. Forgive them and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let your kingdom come. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done on earth as in heaven, right here in my heart, in my heart. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done on earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Give us this day our daily Forgive us, forgive us, as we forgive the ones who sinned against us, against them, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let your kingdom come, because it's yours, it's yours, it's yours, all yours, all yours.
let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. Right here in my heart. We thank you. Are you ready to let his kingdom come today in your heart? Not only for the world out there, but in our heart. And this morning in Sunday school, in our grow group, we talked about from Psalm 51. David said, create in me a clean heart. Amen. We all need that. And Adrian's here to bring some announcements and updates, etc. Hello. Welcome, everyone. Uh, if you're someone who's a guest, if you're new with us, uh, right after service, if you go into the foyer at that back table, we have some free gifts that we'd love for you to take with you. Um, also, uh, for giving offering, you can always give at hillsideassembly.org. Um, also, if you uh, go out into the foyer, there's an offering box out there, and so you can do that at the end of service. Um, but before I continue, Jeb told me that he didn't want to be forgotten, so I'll give him his spot to shine right now. Well, good morning, and do you know what time it is? Kids Church. Well, that's right, it's time for Kids Church. So if all our kiddos want to get up on their feet and head to the back doors there in the center, that's where Miss Jackie is, it is time to go downstairs for Kids Church. Let's give our kids a cheer this morning. Woo! I'll see you kiddos down there. Bye! Goodbye, children. So, as you know, because you're here right now, we have our worship experience at 10 a.m. on Sundays. Also, we have grow groups at 9 o'clock. We have it for people of all ages. Um, so if you're looking to spend some time in a group, in a community to grow closer to Jesus, we encourage you to join us at 9 a.m. each Sunday. The church office is closed still until October 12th, which is this coming week, um, when Pastor and his wife will be coming back from vacation. On Wednesday, October 18th at 6 p.m., if you're able to mark that off on your calendar, there is a special business meeting for our parking lot. We need to make a decision on that very soon, so Wednesday, October 18th. Um, and the rest of your announcements, you can look in your bulletin um, to see what we have coming up. Lots of fun things. Uh, Mike, would you continue to lead us in our worship through song? Sure. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but free to worship this morning as you wish. If you'd like to stand, you can stand. If you want to sit and just soak in the Lord's presence today. Let's sing about grace. It was grace that taught my heart to fear. Grace my Just give 
chains are gone. My chains are gone. I've been set free by God, my Savior, His ransom me. The light of life, His mercy reigns, unending love.
sin. I want to know about being born again. I need you. Have you been born again? So take me to the riverside. Take me under baptize. I need you. Oh God, I need you. Your forgiveness. of God? Have you received of the goodness of God? Are you willing to sing with us this morning about the goodness of God? Let's close this morning. Let's all stand as we just lift up our voices in praise to God who is so good. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me all my days. I've been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up till I lay my head. I will sing. Of the goodness of God all my life, all my 
let's give him a shout of praise. And we want to encourage you, if you have not yet tasted and seen that the Lord is good, that you can do that today. Today can be your day. If you don't know Jesus, the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. That's the gospel in a nutshell, that God loved the world, but not only the world, but God loves you personally, individually. He loves each and every person here today and around the world. I will sing of the goodness of God. Let's just sing that a few times. I will sing of the goodness of God. If you could continue to play that. And in Psalm 23 it says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That's why we sing. His goodness is coming after you. Psalm 23, His goodness will follow you when you know the Lord is your shepherd, your savior, your father, your friend. Of God. Thank you, worship team. You may be seated. We're now going to have a message from missionary chaplain to foster care, Kirk Brown. So if you'd all give him a warm welcome, and thank you, Kirk, for joining us today. Amen. Well, I am so glad to be here. My wife wishes she was here. She's actually at another church today in Green Bay ministering. Uh, so we're kind of doing double duty today, I guess you could Say, uh, my name is Kirk Brown. I'm missionary chaplain to the foster world with the Assembly of God. And how many of you got your swords with you today? Anyone got your Bibles with you? You can go ahead and turn to James chapter 1. We're going to start off with the Word of God. Uh, hopefully you got your swords and you're dangerous today. But everything we, that I'm going to say is really going to be based off this one scripture in James chapter 1, and they might even have it on the screen for some of you who are not armed and spiritually dangerous today. But you probably all have the word written in your hearts, right? So you probably already have it memorized and stuff. James chapter 1, verse 27 says, religion that God the Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, in order to put this passage in context, we need to know that uh, a man named James wrote this. James was literally the brother of Jesus himself, and he wrote this while he was pastoring the church of Jerusalem. And so he's writing this to his church members, and James starts off this chapter by talking about how there's going to be test trials and persecutions that come to the church. Well, how many of you know it's not if test trials and persecutions come to the church? It's when they come to the church. And James tells us that when these test trials and persecutions come, we need to consider it as pure joy. 
Because God's going to use these things to what? Build our faith and our character and bring us to maturity, right? And then James starts talking to his church and us today about not just being hearers of the word, but doers of the word as well. Well, how many of you know that we need to do both? Be a hearer and a doer of the word. Amen? Amen. And then James starts talking about being religious in verse 27. Now, if any of you are like my wife, you probably hate the word religious. Probably because of all the negative connotations that come along with it, right? Uh, I pastored for over 24 years. And over the years, I've had so many Christians tell me, that Christianity is not about being religious. It's about having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. How many of you have ever heard of something like that before? Well, you know what? Those people are only partially right. Christianity is about having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but it's also about being religious at times. At least that's what James 1.27 tells us, does it not? James 1.27 says, God the Father accepts three types of religious activities as being pure and faultless. In other words, he wants his people to be pure and faultless in these three ways. By doing these three ways, he wants his church to be religious in doing these three things. And he spells us out what these three things are. Number one, looking after, taking care of orphans in distress. Number two, looking after, taking care of widows in distress. And number three, keeping oneself from being polluted by the things of the world. Now, I'll let your pastor, when he gets back from vacation, talk to you about looking after taking care of widows in distress. And I'll let him deal with talking to you about keeping oneself from being polluted by the things of the world. But I am here to talk to you about the first one, and that is looking after taking care of orphans in distress or the fatherless, the motherless, or in modern-day terminology, those in the foster system. Now, as I search scripture, I see three, maybe four people that could be put in the category of either foster kids or adopted kids. For example, how many of you ever heard of a guy named Moses? Ever heard of him before? You know, in Exodus chapter 2, it says that Pharaoh's daughter found Moses floating in the Nile in a basket. How many of you remember the story? And that chapter tells us that she adopted Moses as her son. So Moses was adopted son. Have you ever heard of a guy named Samuel before? Samuel's mother, her, her name was Hannah. She was barren. She could not have children. She prayed a dangerous prayer. Lord, if you could give me a child, I will dedicate him to you all the days of his life. And God heard her prayer and gave her a child. How many of you know our God still does miracles today? Well, Hannah, uh, she lived up to what her prayer was, and when she had baby Samuel at a certain age, she decided to give him to Eli the priest, who is the head priest in Shiloh, to raise there all of Samuel's days. And so the, the priest Eli became Samuel's foster dad, I guess you could say. Have you ever heard of a young lady named Esther? You know, Esther chapter 2 tells us that Mordecai, Esther's uncle, took care of her when her parents died. Now, we don't know if Mordecai adopted her or not, so Esther was either an adopted daughter or a foster child with Mordecai. And then some people put Jesus himself in this category. And the reason for this is because Joseph was Jesus' earthly father, Joseph was not Jesus' biological father. 
How many of you know it was the Holy Spirit that caused Mary to become pregnant, right? And, you know, nowadays, Joseph probably would have adopted Jesus as his own son. Whether or not he did, we don't know. But there's at least three, maybe four people we could put in this category of foster or adoptive kids. And if that's true, that means God used an adoptive child named Moses to do what? Lead his people out of Egypt into the promised land. That means God used a foster kid named Samuel to bring the word of God and bring revival back to Israel when the word of God was rare. That means God used an adoptive or a foster child named Esther to do what? Protect Israel from all their enemies. How many of you know they needed Esther right now? And God used Jesus to be the Savior of the world. And as I think about how God used these three or four uh, people in the Bible that we could put in this category of foster adoptive kids, it tells me God can use foster and adoptive kids in a mighty, powerful way. But you know, every one of them had someone that looked after them, took care of them, and loved them. And that's probably why James 1.27 is telling the church, you need to be religious in this way. And look after the orphans, take care of the orphans, the fatherless, the motherless, or in modern terminology, those in the foster system. And I guess you could say me and my wife's journey towards this ministry started probably in 1998 when we got married. We tried to have kids for about nine years. We were not able to. Uh, during that time, my, my wife, while I was pastoring, she worked at a high school, and most of those days... There were teenage pregnant girls that would come through for the counselor's office, and they were all distraught because they were teenagers, and they were pregnant, and they didn't want to be. And so my wife would come home discouraged every night, and she would lock herself in our bathroom, and she would fall on the ground, lay on the ground, and just cry out, God, how come you allow these teenagers who don't want kids to be pregnant but we really want to have kids where pastors will love them, and you don't allow us to be pregnant. Uh, how come that is, God? And she cried out to God time and time again. Well, one time my wife was laying on the bathroom floor crying, and she came to herself, and she came to the conclusion, God, I just want you to know if you never give us kids, I'm still going to praise you. I'm still going to follow you. But then she said one more prayer. She says, God... Uh, if you could do me one favor. She says, I'm almost 30, and I always thought that I would be a mother by the time I was 30. So if it's okay, can you at least help me to feel like a mother by the time I am 30? A couple weeks passed, and she found herself praying again in our bathroom. And God spoke to my wife, and he says, what are you going to do with those extra bedrooms in your house? She says, we're trying to have kids. What else do you want us to do? And he says, no, what are you going to do with those extra bedrooms in our house? And so me and my wife started talking. We looked into adoption, but it was too expensive for us. We couldn't afford it. And uh, about that time, someone mentioned, well, why don't you become foster parents, and you can adopt through the foster agencies. They would actually pay for a lot of the costs. And so me and my wife prayed about it, and we decided... This is what God wanted us to do. And so we started to take classes to become licensed foster parents. In the very first class, the teacher got up there and said, there is a sibling group of three that are come up for adoption. The parental rights have been terminated. Is anyone here interested in adopting these three kids? And me and my wife looked at each other, and we both raised our hands. And you know, about two weeks after we finished taking these classes, these three kids 
came into our house at ages 6, 9, and 10. That's Kiri, Jenna, and Trey. And about nine months later, we were able to adopt this sibling group of three, and God made us a family. How many of you know our God is good? Amen? But you know, these kids first came to our house two days before my wife turned 30. And she felt like a mother. How many of you know our God answers prayers? Amen. Well, because of how God gave us our, our family, we have a good understanding on how to minister to those in the foster world. And uh, some of you might ask, well, why should we send out missionaries, you know, and support missionaries to, you know, the foster world? And there's already these government agencies uh, dedicated to this. Well, let me give you at least three re reasons. Number one, is because James 1.27 tells the church that we should be religious in this way. How many of you want to be doers of the word? Yeah. Yes. Then the church should be doers. And we should be ministering and loving and caring for these orphans or those in the foster system. Number two, it's because we really do need some Christ-like foster and adoptive parents out there. Now, I know that most of the foster parents and adoptive parents out there... They do a great job. They're doing, you know, they, they're doing what they're supposed to do. But how many of there's always those few that should not be foster parents and they should never adopt a child? For example, we talked to a young lady named Cheryl who actually came out of the foster system. And when she was a teenage girl in the foster system, she was sharing another room, uh, sharing a bedroom with another foster girl. And uh, the, the foster dad and his biological son kept telling these two foster kids all the sexual things that they were going to do to them. And so Cheryl and this other girl, they literally took their dresser and had to barricade their bedroom door every single night to make sure these guys did not get into their bedroom. Cheryl slept with a hammer underneath her pillow. The other girl slept with a knife under her pillow just in case they ever got into their bedroom. People, that is a great illustration why we need some Christ-like foster and adoptive parents out there. There's another uh, little boy named Johnny who went to a royal family kids camp, a camp that's just set up for foster kids. And uh, this particular day at camp, they were having hot dogs, and uh, this little foster kid, his name is Johnny, and little Johnny went up to his counselor and says, I'm so excited to have a hot dog. I've never eaten a hot dog before. I've only had hot dog soup. And his counselor says, hot dog soup, what's that? I've never heard of that. And that's when little Johnny told him that when his foster parents make hot dogs, they eat the hot dogs, but they only give the foster kids the water that they made the hot dogs in. People, that is a great illustration of why we need some Christ-like foster parents. Uh, how are these foster kids going to know, see, or experience the love of Christ unless a Christ-like person reveals it to them? I tell you, we need some Christ-like foster adoptive parents out there. And number three, we need missionaries to minister to those in the foster world because the government agency can't keep up with all of the foster kids coming into the system. There's not enough foster parents out there. Uh, for example, Franklin Graham came out just a couple of, it was last month, and he said that there's so many foster kids and not enough foster parents in Massachusetts that these foster kids are forced to live at the hospital for weeks at a time. Last year, we talked to a missionary from Oregon, and they told us in Oregon, there is so many foster kids and not enough foster parents 
that Oregon has taken a prison and they put all of the, you know, all the inmates on one side. On the other side of the prison, they have painted it pretty colors, and that's where they're storing the foster kids until they can be placed. Now, can you imagine the psychological damage that this is doing to these kids, uh, you know, being stashed or stored here, there in, in the prison? It's crazy. Last uh, winter, me and my wife talked to a foster worker in Monroe County where we currently live. And we asked her, do you need the church's help? Do you want the church's help? And she said, yes. And she said, yes, because right now there's over 7,600 foster kids in our state of Wisconsin alone. She said, yes, because right now there's over 100,000 kids already up for adoption in our country. She said, yes, because there's over 400,000 foster kids in our country. But you know what? There's also about 380,000 churches in our country, which means that if at least one family from every church would take care of or look after one of these orphans like James 127 talks about, it would obliterate the foster crisis going on in our country. The church really is the reinforcements that our, our country needs when it's concerning the foster uh, world. Now, here's our plan to minister to those in the foster world. Number one, our plan is really to focus on those young people that are aging out of the foster system. And, and aging out is a process that occurs when the foster kid leaves the foster system. And uh, usually that, help, uh, that happens between the age of 18 and 21, depending on the state that they live in. Here in Wisconsin, the age is 18. Now, our three kids that you've already seen a picture of, they're all grown up. They're all in their 20s. They're, they're all married now. By the grace of God, they have found their significant others. And me and my wife are empty nesters. Yes. Love it. But, you know, ever since our kids left the house, they're asking us all kinds of questions. And, you know, they come to us with all kinds of things. And I just want to go ahead and show the picture of our kids. It's the next slide. Uh, yep, that one. And uh, there's a couple extra because there's a couple of them that have their spouses in there and stuff. The one in the middle, she was just, uh, she was just married uh, earlier this year and stuff. But I, I want to go over some questions that these young people have asked us since they have left our house. Here we go. When do I have to start paying for student loans, and how do I do that? How do I pay rent? How do I get my car back after it was impounded? That happened twice to the bride last winter. The good thing is she knew what to do the second time, so she's learned. That was great. Should I get an apartment with a friend who was just evicted for not paying rent? No. Do I have to have health insurance? How do I make chicken? How do I do laundry? I just ate an egg that expired two days ago. Am I going to die? That was the bride as well who said that one. What is a tax return? How do I fill out a W-2? How do I get car insurance? How do I figure out a budget? I lost my Social Security card. What do I do? Anyone want to guess who asked us that? It was the bride. Our oldest daughter, Jenna, she asked us this. How do I stop the washer at the laundromat? I forgot to put soap in it. She got mad because she paid five bucks to get her clothes wet but not clean. So, but, you know, these are just a few of the many questions that our kids have asked us 
in their 20s since they've left the house. And me and my wife have this thought, reoccurring thought that comes to our mind. Who do these young people that are aging out, who do they ask questions to? Who do they have to go to? Who, who do they have to talk to, you know, when it comes to, you know, basics like getting jobs and finding housing and, and going to school and, and paying bills? Who do they have to go to? A lot of them have no one. So what happens to these young people that age out, turn 18 in our state and age out of the foster system? In a, a lot of different counties, they're simply given garbage bags and they're told to pack up their stuff and to leave the house and they are forced to fend for themselves, which a lot of them cannot do. They do not know how to fend for themselves. Um, we've talked to a couple of Assembly of God pastors who have been eyewitnesses to young people getting out of vans with garbage bags full of stuff, and they, <laughs> they step on the street corner and the van leaves them behind with all their stuff there. Those were young people that aged out of the foster system. Now, me and my wife, you know, we've thought about this. We're thinking, you would think that foster parents would allow them to continue to stay at their house, right? And help them out, get, get, you know, help them get a job or, you know, go to school or something like that. But how many of you know 18 to 20 year olds are expensive? And they'll eat you out of the house. They're not free. They're not cheap. And so a lot of people simply can't afford it. And so these young people are thrown out uh, to, their, to themselves on, on the street. Can we just pretend today that it's our 18th birthday? Now, some of you are going to have to go way back, right? But just hang with me. Let's just pretend like we're 18 today, but let's also pretend that we're in the foster, we're, we're foster kids, all right? And so we wake up and we think it's, our, it's my 18th birthday. Maybe my foster parents, maybe they, they made me a birthday cake. Maybe they bought me a birthday present. Maybe they're going to throw a party for me. I've never had a birthday party before. And so you get out of your bed with excitement. You leave your bedroom with anticipation only to be handed one of these by your foster parents. They tell you to pack up your stuff, kid. It's time to get out of the house. We need to get another foster kid. We're going to make some money off of. We can't make any more money off of you. That's the reality for about 23,000 young people in our country every year. Now, I don't know about you. When I turned 18, I wasn't ready for the real world. When I turned 18, I wasn't ready to face you know, adulthood without a parent, without family, with anyone to help me, but that's what happens to a lot of these young people. How many of you remember Cheryl, who I talked about earlier, who slept with a hammer underneath her pillow? When Cheryl turned 18, she was basically told this by her foster parents. You got to get out of the house, pack up your stuff, get out of here. Cheryl had no idea what she was going to do. She had no idea where she was going to go. So she, was, she had to pack up her stuff and get out of the house. She literally sat in front of that foster home for hours on the curb, because she had nowhere to go. She finally called her biological sister who lived in Minneapolis, Minnesota. She sent, her, uh, sent Cheryl a bus ticket. Cheryl went up to live with her sister for a season. The good thing about that is her biological sister was a Christian, invited Cheryl to her church, and Cheryl ended up giving her life to Jesus Christ and is an Assembly God U.S. missionary today. Praise God, right? But you know, when she turned 18, though, she was basically thrown out of that house. She had aged out of the foster system, and the foster parents were no longer going to make any money from having her there. 
And so what happens to these young people that age out? Well, let me give you some statistics about what happens to uh, these 23,000 young people that age out of the foster system every year. 20% of them will become homeless immediately. Imagine being homeless. 50% of them will be homeless within two years. Half of them. That's crazy. 50% of them will end up with some kind of substance abuse. You want to help with the drug problem? You minister to those that are aging out of the foster system. 60% of those that age out of the foster system will end up in the sex industry some way, somehow. They sell their bodies. They, you know, get trafficked and, and, and stuff like that. There was a counselor that we talked to in, uh, in Texas, and she told us that uh, she works with women that have been rescued from uh, sex trafficking. 100% of the women that she has counseled with were in the foster system sometime in their life. It's amazing. 60% of the young men that age out of the foster system are going to commit a crime. We talked to the superintendent, the former superintendent of the North Texas District of the Assembly of God. And he had a meeting while he was a superintendent down there with a man who was in charge of all the prisons in Texas. And that man told the superintendent that uh, every year he's got to know how many more beds he's going to need in his prisons. And so what he does is he calls the foster agencies and, how, and he gets the number of how many young people are going to age out of the foster system. And that's how he bases the number of beds that he's going to need for jail because he knows those young people are going to get into trouble. 70% of the young ladies that age out of the foster system will become pregnant by the age of 21, whether they're married or not, and a lot of their kids will end up in the foster system. And so none of those statistics are good because what happens to most of these 23,000 young people that age out of the foster system, good things don't really happen to them. And I believe that God wants to use a local church to, say, to, to change some of those statistics. And uh, one of the things that Sandy and I are planning on doing is raising up mentors from the local body of Christ, from churches like you. You see, we're not naive. I know that most of you, you won't or you can't be foster parents. I know most of you will not or can't adopt but as I look in this room, I think most, if not all of you, could become a mentor to one of these young people. You can give an hour of your time a week or a month to help them with basic stuff like, you know, how to get to school, how to get a job, uh, health care, finances. You have life experience that they don't. Some of these young people have gone through so much, they have so much trauma that they might live in a body of a 20-year-old, but their mentality is like a 13-year-old. And so they need guidance and they need help. And you know what? I think the church is the help that these young people need. And so we're trying to raise up mentors in the local body of Christ. The second thing that, our, that we plan to do is to help churches like yours just start or enhance foster ministries. And that means simply ministering to foster kids, foster parents, uh, foster workers, and maybe parents who have lost their kids to the foster system. You know, the, the truth is, being a foster parent is hard. How many Has anyone in here ever been a foster parent before? Okay, a couple of you. Was it hard? It's tough. 
Statistics show that half of foster parents quit fostering after the first year because it's hard. Half of them quit the second year because it's difficult. But you know, statistics show that when a church helps or encourage foster parents, that number drops down only 10% quit. So 90% continue to foster, and a lot of them end up adopting kids when they have a church's help and encouragement and a church's support. We talked to a, a young man who was a caseworker named Lance. He was doing his first placement into a couple who they were getting their first foster kids. And uh, Lance called up this couple and he said, I, I know that you were only supposed to get one child today, but we have two boys instead of one. Is it okay if we bring both boys over? We, we just don't have anywhere else for the second one to go. And this couple who had never fostered before said, yes, go ahead and bring the second one. We'll make do. And so Lance brought over these two boys, and as soon as these two boys got in the door, they start running all over the place. They're jumping all over the furniture and stuff, and Lance is looking at these new foster parents, and he can just tell the anxiety level is rising. And he can just tell they're thinking, what did we just do? Did we just make a mistake? And, and Lance looks, and he's watching these kids jump on the furniture. All the furniture's white. The little dog is hiding underneath the coffee table, right? And these kids are just, just running all over the place being crazy. But then there was a knock on the door. And they answered the door, and it was a, someone from this couple's church. And they said, hey, we heard that you got two boys instead of one. We brought you over a bag of clothes. We know you're going to need these clothes. They hadn't left but a few minutes when there was a, another knock on the door. It was someone else from this couple's church. They brought over a car seat, and they said, we heard that you got a second boy, a second child. You're going to need, a, uh, need another car seat, so here you go. They hadn't left the driveway when a third couple from the church pulled up with a bucket of KFC chicken with all the fixings. And they said to the new foster parents, we know you're not going to have time to cook a meal today. We just wanted to bless you. And Lance, the caseworker, with everyone from the church that came over, he could see the stress level leaving. And he could just see the anxiety going. And uh, he ran into this couple a couple years later. And they told Lance that the only reason why they continued to foster kids and they ended up adopting a couple kids was because they had a church's help and support. Let me tell you something. You can make a world of difference and the life of someone in the foster world, whether it be a foster child, a foster parent, a foster worker, or maybe parents who have lost their kids to the foster system. Well, what are some things that the local body of Christ can do? What are some hands-on things that you can do as a church to minister to someone in the foster world? Well, you can buy Christmas gifts or Easter baskets and bring it over to a foster home and bless them that way. How many of you know Christmas is coming up? What an easy way for this church to bless foster kids. Something else you can do, you can donate uh, supplies to foster agencies that are always short in supplies. Uh, how many of you can afford a box of Pampers? box of wipes. It doesn't take a whole lot. But these foster agencies are always short in supplies because the government only gives them a short amount to spend on these different things. You could help mentor or tutor some of these foster kids and 
So these kids sometimes go to home to home at home. They go to different school to different school to different school. They get so far behind. And I tell you, one-on-one with someone can help them get on track. So if you can help them, uh, tutor them or mentor them, it goes a long ways. You can provide for meals for foster families once a week or once a month. How many of you are good cooks? Raise your hand. I want to go to your house after service. God bless you. But think about it. If you had a bunch of foster kids, what would happen if someone brought over a meal to your house every Wednesday night? You could just count on it. I tell you, it would be a huge blessing. It takes that much off the plate of you, for you. Uh, you can drive foster kids uh, to, uh, there are so many different appointments. You could help drive them to all their appointments and just help the foster parents out that way. Uh, you can sponsor a kid to go to one of these rural family uh, kids' camps so they can, first of all, it gives respite or time away uh, for the foster parents. They have a little bit of break, and the foster kid gets to spend a week at camp, and a lot of times they hear about Jesus and stuff. It's wonderful. And lastly, you could adopt a foster kid, or you could become a foster parents. There are thousands of hands-on ways that the local body of Christ can minister to those in the foster world. And Sandy and I have a goal of next year uh, to help at least 20 churches either start or enhance foster ministries in their church. And hopefully you uh, and your church will be one of those 20. We'd love to be able to help you guys to minister to those in the foster world. But we need your help uh, in at least three ways to do this. Number one, uh, we need you and want your prayers. We covet your prayers. Uh, we're involved in a very emotional ministry, dealing with a lot of people that have gone through a lot of trauma, and we need your prayers. And my prayer is that every time you see one of these, just a normal garbage bag, maybe you'll think about the foster kids and pray for them, or more specifically, you'll think about those young people that are aging out of the foster system. Or maybe you'll see a garbage bag, and you'll think about me and my wife, Sandy, and the ministry that we're trying to do for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Number two, we need your help financially. Uh, we, we, we need your support. Um, and, and we're hoping that your church comes along us and supports us on a monthly basis. I'm hoping some of you will support us on a monthly basis. I have packets out there on my table I'd love to give you. Uh, right now, we're at 72% of our budget. God is blessing us uh, because we're trying to bless families and help families and, and stuff. And so would you consider, instead of going to Starbucks uh, once a week, or instead of going to the cafe, or going out to eat once a month, put that money towards this ministry? Every little bit will help us. And number three, you can help us by simply getting involved. And I said before, there, there is thousands of hands-on ways that we can minister to those in the foster world, and the fact is everyone in the church can do something to minister to a foster kid, a foster parent, a foster worker, or a parent, a biological parent who have lost their kids in the foster system. So I challenge you to pray and ask God how He would want you to get involved and minister to those in the foster system, and how God would want you to be religious, like James one twenty seven talks about. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, (laughs) the need is so great when it comes to the foster system right now. It's a mess. And uh, the Lord, the government just does not know how to love and care for kids. 
Um, uh, they're probably doing the best they can, but Lord, right now, they need reinforcements. They need help. And you know what, Lord? I, I believe that's the church. That's been our calling for years. Ever since James wrote this and, and let the church know it's our business to look after orphans, the fatherless, the motherless, uh, those that are in the foster system. God, you want us to be religious in this way. And God, I pray that your church would step up and be the reinforcements and the help that our government needs. And uh, Lord, in, in, in this case, the workers are truly few, but the harvest is ready. Lord, those in the foster world, they're like an unreached people group here in our own backyards. And here the church has an opportunity to minister to people in our own neighborhoods, in our own school systems, maybe in our churches. And God, I pray that we would stand up and, and minister to them. Lord, what would happen if you would ask us today, like you asked me and my wife, what are we doing with the extra bedrooms in our house? How are we utilizing them? What are we doing with the extra time that we have? Could we be tutoring or mentoring some of these young people? What are we doing with all the extra money that some of us have? We could use some of that to bring good and change some of these lives. God, I know that there is something that every single person in this church, there's something that everyone can do to minister to those in the foster world. The question is, Holy Spirit, what is that? And I just want you to, just to take a moment, if you will. Can you just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what's my part in all this? How do you want me to get involved? How can I help? How can I minister? And I dare you to pray a dangerous prayer like that, but be careful. Because when the Holy Spirit speaks, He doesn't just want you to be a hearer of His Word. He's going to want you to be a doer of His Word. Holy Spirit, would you speak now as we ask how we can get involved to change lives to minister to kids, to minister to parents, to minister to foster workers. God, what can we do as individuals? What can we do as a church? The truth is, God, we can't minister to 400,000 foster kids today, but we might be able to minister to that one that comes to church every once in a while, and we can change their life. We might be able to minister to maybe a foster family that comes in here every once in a while. We might be able to bring supplies to the foster agency so they can bless these foster kids. What is it you want us to do, God? Lord, we simply surrender ourselves and we say, yes, God, I will go. I will be the church. I will be religious in this way. I will simply do what you're asking me to do. God, we sing about your faithfulness. May our faithfulness match yours in this area. God, we thank you for your word today. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to come and speak and for helping me today. Lord, I know that your word will not return void, but I pray that you would bless it. I pray that seeds were planted that those seeds would be watered, 
and that a harvest would come from this church and people's lives would end up being changed. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank you for allowing me to come and speak today. I'll be at my table after the service. God bless you.